0: It's a beautiful Friday morning, everyone. Welcome to Kafaru Cast. I am at the, I'm going to call it like the world headquarters of Kafaru International because it's the only one. And I've got uh, my buddy Matt Zernzak with uh, the Push Archery on the Horn. What's going on?
1: No, what's going on? How are you? I'm here at the uh, world headquarters of the Push Archery. Well, there you which go. Is, which is my back deck.
0: <laughs> well, that's a good place to be. And I, I, uh, I wouldn't want to attempt to spell your last name. So go ahead and do it.
1: Yeah, it's uh, Z I R N S A K. Very German.
0: Gotcha. So um, I've gotten bashed a little bit, maybe not bashed. I've gotten hey. shit about too much trad talk on Kafaru Cast. So we have done like twenty of them recently that did not talk about traditional archery. This one will be only about traditional archery. So if you're not into that, you might as well turn it off. But you probably get some laughs along the way if you just need some humor. Um, the uh, <laughs> the push I initially. When I initially picked up the, the the stick bow in sixteen, I had heard about you guys that you had a video called the Push, and it was on like different. Don't laugh, dude. I still haven't watched it, but about different aiming <laughs> techniques and and like yeah, yep. st- string walking and and stuff like that.
1: Yep, yep. And that, yeah, so we it's got like four
0: hundred thousand views. doesn't it three three quarters of a million or something, something crazy now.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 uh, pretty pretty crazy. We're we're over, I think, four hundred thousand views right now over a period of like two years. Um, Yeah, it it was you could you had to go to like five different websites, uh, listen to a a little bit of the podcasts that are out there, and you know buy a few books just to get everything you needed to know before making like a really informed decision on what type of bow you want to buy, maybe your approach, what type of arrows, so. Tim Nebel, my partner in the push, uh, he had just gotten into traditional archery, and I kind of took him under my wing and, and mentored him for about six to eight month period of time. And he's like, "Dude, we should do something." Like, you, you have a pr- pretty wealth of knowledge on on just general everything around traditional archery, and this would have taken me a long time to get a handle on. And I knew his cinematography and photography skills, uh, and I'm like, "Hey, let's just let's just do a video," and we. Didn't really know what we were getting into, but we basically pulled all of our bows together um, from self bow all the way to um, high tech competition bare bow rigs. And uh, we just filmed a about a two, a little bit over two hour long film uh, over a weekend. We edited it over a few months period of time and put it out there. And it went a little viral, as viral it can, as you can in the small traditional archery community. And um, yeah, it's just a one stop shop for everything you need to know about self-bows, long-bows, recurves, what's the difference between all the different types of bows, the arrows, um, aiming methods, how to approach shooting the bow. Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty cool, pretty popular.
0: Yeah, I um, again, I kind of, just the way my brain works, I kind of got to figure it out on my own, and I had sure. people talk to me about, like, string walking and face walking or uh, fixed crawl, and anyway, I ended up just doing what I was doing, you know what I mean, like what it worked for me, and uh, yeah, yeah. to a certain degree was kind of afraid to change much like five inch feathers which i can't stop getting <laughs> messages about because you guys did uh a podcast recently on on the i call you guys the pipe hitting dorks but uh don't take yeah, that the wrong right. way but uh the i stole that from kendall uh by the way the uh or kenton Carruth, he owns a uh, first light that's what he called the guys from really right stuff uh that make tripod oh, right. pipe hitting dorks it's kind of funny anyway you guys did a a Recently, well, let me rewind. With everything going on with this vein that, that came out, and we'll cover that in a minute, I don't want this to be a giant sales pitch for this trad vein, but there there was a, a vein that I worked on with AAE that, that you could shoot off the shelf. Um, you guys used that and several other fletching combinations and did, you know, statistical data. I mean, God forbid you, you bring science into the equation. You know, that's just... Never do that, right? But, I mean, out out of a machine and and everything else. And there was questions guys had for me. You guys had said that you saw, even uh, guys at the range last night, like a 5-inch feather, swirl it in a bucket of water how much negative impact have I seen from that? And I'm like, you know, their, their stats are different than mine. I didn't see as much negative as they did, but you get towards one or two swirls, put some pressure on the feather. It starts going downhill even more. Um, and the, 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 the bottom line, like the, the, the system I ended up using is three five inch feathers and I'm too chicken to change. They just worked. (laughs) And there's a, you know, all kinds of negative sides to anything if you look hard enough. But throughout the course of my traditional archery three-year career, which isn't very long, I've been able to shoot a pile of animals in a lot of different situations, and I could never come up with something enough to say, oh, I'm not going to shoot three five-inch feathers. I'm going to shoot four two-and-a-half-inch or, you know, whatever the different systems are. But you guys tested everything, which has probably gone just as cuckoo as this trad vein has with people worrying about their setup, which <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ could come down and stand in front of me and say, Aaron, don't shoot three five-inch feathers, and I'd argue with him and still do it because I'm afraid right. to switch. But if you're a guy that's not confident in his system, which pretty much everyone is not, a lot of guys, you know, when you're starting out, you don't know.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, What's the guideline?
0: Yeah, you guys just basically you didn't have your own opinions you just posted what you found in the testing um and go ahead and go into that a little bit
1: yeah yeah so what what aaron's referencing is uh trad lab it's our it's a sub segment it's a separate llc owned by cody greenwood um cody is a industry quality engineer um he is extremely good where where he brings value here to the traditional archery community and archery community in general is he takes the scientific method, statistical analysis, and he applies it to this passion that we love so much. Um, And he, his whole thing is about error-proofing and making sure the test equipment he has is as robust as possible and that the data coming out of it is consistent, repeatable. He's using industry standard practices that multi-billion dollar Fortune 500 companies use for their executive leadership to make good decisions based off of trusted data and we're taking those approaches and applying it to traditional freaking archery for all (laughs) all things to apply this type of science to right um and so you're right aaron you know when you're looking at the comparison between three four and five inch feathers and that was trad lab episode number one and so the this segment that we're using that we're doing is uh trad lab like i said and we're tackling a myth or a theory um, that's really common in the traditional archery community for each show. And so the first one was we wanted to, dis- to discover, is there any difference between a 3-inch, a 4-inch, and a 5-inch feather only? And we found that by comparing them, it, using them in a test environment that had controlled environment, zero wind, uh very controlled, no moisture, just a really nice bluebird sunny day like I'm experiencing here in Pennsylvania right now, which is most, that's what most people are going to experience, Right. If you want to go shoot your bow, typically you're shooting your bow on the nice days. Not a whole lot of people go out there and shoot for four hours with a 20-mile-per-hour crosswind to actually truly vet out what their equipment and what their recipe and what their system can handle and where the outer limits are of that. That's kind of where Trad Lab comes in. We search out and look for those environmental conditions that are really going to stress test. That 2% of what you're going to put your equipment through. Yeah, 98% of the time, you're going to be shooting your bow on a bluebird sunny day, maybe 5, maybe 10-degree or 10-mile-an-hour winds, uh, maybe not a lot of moisture, but we're really stress-testing it in the worst extreme conditions to truly try to find out, is there one better? Is there a difference between 3, 4, and 5? And what we found was that the 5-inch feather was by far the most consistent and repeatable out of the three different configurations, 3, 4, and 5-inch feathers. On good conditions, um, that feather corrects that. That feather corrects that arrow out of the bow. It gets it shooting down the line. It's a very, very safe choice if if you're a beginning archer. Uh, if you're someone that's not going to go out in hyper extreme conditions, it's a really good option. But what we found is once we started controlling how much moisture we apply to those, which we were using a five gallon bucket, dunking the back of the arrow in, and we're shooting off of multiple shooting machines. We're using radar, um, chronographs, um, noise tests. We're we're using all these really high-tech pieces of equipment, and you swirl it in the bucket a prescribed amount of time and swirls, and you're shooting that shot. What we saw was the three-inch feathers, they held repeatable from the dry, perfect conditions to the wet, terrible conditions. They held most consistent between those two test environments the four inch feather opened up a little bit once you started putting that moisture in those bad weather conditions. But then the five inch feather really fell off the cliff in our test environment that we tested the five inch feather kind of, you, if you picked up a dry feather and a wet feather in those environmental conditions and shot off that machine, you were seeing very non-repeatable results from the wet side. And through this arrow study, we've, we've shot about 500, uh, 500, uh, 600 between the two episodes shots off a machine with um, about eight different variables tracking that data. It's a, it was a pretty robust um, extensive test, test setup.
0: Well, and here, what I have found is, is, um, and I, you know, I constantly get crap for being arrogant. So whatever, I'm used to it now. Most people can't hit shit. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, can't, can't shoot. Most people uh, can't hit a consistent group of a paper plate at 30. And so the testing of their own, just by default of the size of their group is substandard, meaning if, if, if they say, well, it groups with whatever, and, and, you know, their group is already the size of a stop sign. Eh, that's not, not the most accurate data you want to go off of. And so um, I, you know, for me, like, um, you know, and some of the guys that I'm shoot with, I'm able to maybe get a little bit better test, but nothing like ha- that, that, that you guys have done now uh what i have explained to guys is is basically that for me with the five inch feather is it is it was safe uh for correcting bad you know in bad situations you know off off like canted shots bad releases Mm -hmm. it will correct my broadhead because for me it's all about hunting and not i don't really mess with i mean i shoot some tournaments but it's not my thing Mm -hmm. right and so I and then it worked, and you know I laid some animals, you know, on the ground, and then I'm like, mm, I don't, I don't really, I'm kind of scared to change. Like, what if it's <laughs> in the back of my mind the last twenty yards? You know, like, what if I pluck the string and these little feathers don't correct my big broadhead? You know, so for me it was more of um, ease. Like, you know, it's just easier to keep the same thing I had. I I will say my testing and yours has been pretty much the same on. Well, you know how I hunt and where I hunt. Uh, the the, the, the five-inch feathers become a big, giant chicken wing, pain in the ass. They
1: become a sponge on the back of your arrow,
0: and it's hard to get them to dry. And obviously, the more feather, the harder it is to dry because it takes longer. And and I have hunted in in just about every condition you could come up with, and I've made it work. Um, now the 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 trad lab you guys had done and. This vein that um, I had I had worked on with AAE all kind of just happened somewhat close to the same time. And mm-hmm. I think where people because there's been a lot of naysayers and, you know, guys hop on with it. Tra- I've hunted for 30 years with feathers. This is stupid. Why would you switch? Why, why was this needed? And I'm like, man, I thought it was needed the first four months. Like, but I hunted in really rainy conditions off and on. I did a 12 day backpack hunt in B.C. for grizzly. And I would have killed three men and a small baby to put veins on my arrow. Like, it was, I couldn't dry them. I'm sleeping (laughs) in a shell. I mean, it was just, like, I'm panicking thinking, Jesus, I'm going to have to shoot this fucking bear at 12 yards. Like, I have no feather left. You know what I mean? Like, And and guys are like, oh, spray them. Oh, powder, whatever. Well, look, Slick Willie, once it's wet... All you're doing is putting, like, cocaine on a freaking wet feather. It's not fluffy anymore. And and that was what I was trying to drive through guys' brains was, like, look, I'm not saying this is for everyone, but once that feather is flat and you can't dry it, that powder only lasts for an hour. One rain and it comes off. You got to keep applying it. The spray-on stuff, like I've used Scotch and it lasts for a while. Eventually it goes away. Um, In rainy, long, like expedition type hunts, something was, you know, needed to be done. And so there's been, you know, recently um, some fairly high profile guys that have kind of doubted it, that haven't used it. And they had brought up a couple of them, a rain vein that came out several years ago and that they had a lot of high names in the traditional archery community pushing it. And what I want to let people know to make sure they know, which which you do, AAE didn't come up with this vein and come to me to push it. I called the AAE and begged for them to make it because it's a lot of money for them to make for a traditional archery <laughs> vein, which is a very small community. And when we did it initially, I was just, I mean, honestly, they were making it for me. This was a favor. Um and they, we, we went, you know, like several trials and errors, and finally they sent me a set. And I literally, you know, I have, I have my wife come out and film slow-mo, you know, out of the bow on the iPhone, you know, nothing crazy. Um, once it kind of passes that test, we go to obviously the big dog cameras. And I mm, shot sure. three arrows at 40 yards, which is my point on in a triangle, a Reinhardt triangle, which is not a lot of square footage. I blew one feather off, cracked the other with the broadhead and three arrows, literally a softball just left of the dot. Exactly where my veins hit or feathers hit. And I'm like, Yeah, that that, that might that might have been luck. That huh. You know, I'm like, fuck so I run up the hill and grab 'em, grab Fletch another one, get it together. We do it again. I call Greg. I'm like, dude, you might want to sell these. And he's like, you told me, you know, that this was for you. And I'm like, no, I mean, I think you actually did something that hasn't been done before. Like, this is straight off the shelf, hitting the same as my feathers. And Greg doesn't know. He's not a trad guy. He's like, is that a good thing? And I'm like, dude, I've tried many veins. Like, off the shelf, this is very difficult to do. People can do it. But for the most part it's not something you can just lick and stick. Like I'm able to just throw these and shoot them and, and hit the same. Um, and then obviously, uh, you know, several s- squirrel holes later, here we are and they've come out and there's all kinds right. of a buzz and shit talking, but you guys basically found the same thing I did. It sounds like with the vein.
1: Yeah, that's right. So, uh, you know, TradLab episode two, we were uh, we were testing. We, so TradLab episode one, we did three versus four versus five inch feathers, holding everything consistent, constant, all the other variables. In the second episode, we wanted to figure out what configuration was best. So we wanted to figure out is. Uh, three fletch, four fletch, uh, four fletch 75 by 105 orientation or four fletch in a 90 degree orientation and then apply or two fletch and then applying the different length feathers to those different configurations. Um, and like you said, right around that time, this is when you and AAE were developing that trad vein. And my, myself personally, just a little background, I am a diehard white tail hunter. I'm not, I'm not crazy nut like like you guys are, um, hiking up into the mountains in six feet of the snow in in May just for fun. That ain't me. (laughs) But what I do love to do is I'm a diehard ground hunter um, with a ghillie suit for whitetail here in western Pennsylvania and eastern Ohio. And what I like to do is I like to be in the woods when storm fronts are just booming and you're getting torrential downpour on, and I like to be there when that storm is passing. I like to be in my ambush spot every single year, for the last, oh geez, maybe five years or so, I have dedicated a half a day to a full day trying to get a vein to shoot off the shelf. I'm extremely utilitarian in my traditional bow hunting rigs, and I want to be able to pitch them out of a tree stand if I want to and not have to worry about the bow. Like, I am going for ruggedness, and the last thing I want to worry about is wet feathers when I have the perfect ambush ready to go, right? Um So I would spend a half a day to a full day trying to tune a vein setup that, I mean, these veins are 8 to 12 grains per, and it was impossible for me to get my feathers and my veins to hit the same. It just couldn't, couldn't be done. So I always knew that during those rainy times, now, but what I could do, I could get a veined arrow to clear off the shelf. But like I said, it took me half a day to a full day to get it to tune correctly but with the same tune on the bow side as my feathers, but they weren't impacting the same at 20 yards. So I knew if I was shooting my veined arrow, I needed to aim four to six inches higher. And, Aaron, we can talk about aiming methods later if you'd like. That would be pretty cool, little side tangent.
0: Sure, um, sir.
1: (laughs) But I was always having to consciously aim six, eight inches higher whenever I'm shooting the, the veins off the shelf with my broadhead where we're getting at with these AA veins, what I was so blown away with is you sent me a nice little bundle of them. And I really appreciate that. And since we were in the middle of this trad lab episode, two, I actually
0: did not send those Rocky mountain did. Cause I cannot seem to make it to the post office whichever, cause <laughs> otherwise true. I'm
1: going to get hate mail. Everybody's
0: going to be like, you didn't mail me my shit. <laughs>
1: that's true. If Rocky that's Mountain true. did it. <laughs> yeah. You said, I'll get you some, but Rocky mountain, Rocky mountain has them. <laughs> Anyhow. So I, uh, we put we put these right into the test setup for Trad Lab episode two. We were already doing feather configurations. Why not pile on that this whole design of experiments and see do these Trad veins actually perform the same as feathers? And the thing I was personally blown away from a subjective standpoint, not an analytical side, which what is what Cody, our resident scientist, does for the Trad Lab episode at the Trad Lab. But what I did in my backyard and the same thing that you were doing, Aaron, was just side by side comparisons. For the first time ever, I was able to take my rig. I'm shooting a wingard right now, 60 inch, 40 pounds of my draw length, right? Just a nice light turkey rig. I was able to take that with a broadhead, the same tune. I didn't even adjust anything on my bow, and I was able to throw in uh, a day six, 500 spine with 150 up front, uh, with the 100 grain insert, and and a uh, what was I using four? Or I'm sorry, three, three or three four inch feathers. And then I did the three four-inch trad veins, and I was able to group at 20 yards the same without any adjustments. I then moved my knock height down. I moved my knock height up, and I was getting zero vein bounce, zero of those issues that I always struggled with. And I was blown away because this is the first time ever I was able to just throw a vein on and not have to do anything special with my bow. Well, and it, it was just shooting right off the shelf.
0: Everybody we've had try them, you know. One guy said, "Man, I think there's a little bounce, but they hit the same." Meaning, you know, obviously there might be a little something two, three feet out of the bow. Um, you know, the first two, three feet out of the bow, um, but they hit in the same, you know, group. And I'm like, "Yeah, that's fair enough," because I mean, there there might be something, but it, you know, the if the you vein... have to be
1: pretty pretty knock low to be get i mean these things are soft as heck i i didn't experience any hop off my rig
0: i did not either um so here's you know the guys talking about you know reading recently um on the whole shit storm that's happened in the last three days i guy a guy said um i think you guys said they hit high i said at 40 they hit high they don't hit high for me at 20 they don't hit high at 30 I don't shoot good enough at 40 that I can keep consistently shooting high with them. Meaning, if I group in a paper plate and I shoot for an hour and I mark every arrow that's hit, consistently the veined arrows are grouping higher, even though I may shoot three fletched uh, or excuse me, three feathered arrows and three um, veined arrows. They may look like they're all intermixed because I'm not a good enough shot to tell me meaning. But overall, if you take the mean, meaning and mode over time, they do hit a little bit higher at 50s the same way. A machine is going to a shooting machine is going to be able to tell that I had to really work at it to find out they were hitting higher at 40. Now, I can tell you at 100, it's pretty easy. It's like a javelin when I shoot at 100, they just stick in the dirt. So if I'm using the same point on at 100 and I'm just firing out into a field, the veined arrows fly farther before they hit the ground. (laughs) Very redneck. Very accurate, though, right? Like, (laughs) pretty simple. Aim at a house. Go see where your arrows land. The the veined arrows don't have as much wind drag. So that's not tuned. That's physics. far away
1: from the house. Yes. Public service service announcement, right?
0: Yes. I'm bad about that. (laughs) Um, But so Jets physics, that's not tune. And I was actually uh, commenting with Jason Westbrook this morning and I said, hey, man, they they tune the same. He's a good dude. He seems like a super good dude. And and, and I I love him. Cooling was talking about him. um, You know, he's, um, you know, coach and what, you know, amazing. And I was like, well, I want to make sure that he understands like the tune is the same physics or what. Gets in the way there. I mean, there's just less drag with a vein. And so, what I'm excited is guys like Westbrook and Dimmer, I want to see what they have to say because they're definitely not anti-trad vein by any means, but they are certainly nope. um, red flagging a little bit, like, okay, I need to see this because they just haven't. I mean, from what I mean, I'll get your take on it. They haven't seen where it actually worked before, so they're having a hard time believing it's going to.
1: Yeah, you're, you're exactly right, and that's, and that's exactly right, right? So they, I'm saying they collectively, anyone that just is, is skeptical, which is fine. And John Demmer, love him to death. He is one of my very, very, very close friends. We work with him within the instructional side. He has an online course within our pack, so we are very tied into John Demmer. Uh, you know, he. I think some of his con- comments were, uh, were interpreted a little bit more harsh than what he meant them to be uh, over the last couple days. Um, but he's right right essentially he's right because you it's if you extrapolate the data right if you're actually taking scientific data on test equipment that's robust and providing data that's repeatable if you have a feather on the back of your arrow that weighs oh let's say 2.6 grains and you have the vein of the exact same geometry on the back of the arrow that's weighing oh let's say 4.1 um which is, like, ridiculously close, right? Under two-grain difference for a vein to a feather, that is why these things actually work. This has not been done before. But physically, if you extrapolate the data, yeah, they are going to be different. If you are trying to count points on a field course at 50 yards or 50 meters for the World Archery uh, Barebow Bow Championships, absolutely. There's going to be a slight tune. You're, gonna want, you're not going to be able just to slap them on. You're going to see a difference, and that's going to cost you points. From a competitive standpoint but if you are a diehard bow hunter me personally i can't see any difference i can say subjectively these hit with my feathers at 20 yards within my effective range of whitetail hunting or 25 yards even 30 yards they're hitting the same they're starting to get a little hot at 30 yards i can actually see that difference to where it's i'm seeing two inches inch and a half to two inch overall like you said the average of that group at 30 yards 40 yards they really start separating Right? You're starting to see a three- to four-inch difference at 40 yards uh, with the veins. They're coming in a little hot. Um, however, I, I think what, Aaron, what you're saying and what we're finding, what we're seeing on Trad Lab is being slightly interpreted differently. And I also believe some of the people that are skeptical, what they're saying is being interpreted a little bit differently. I think we're all saying the same thing. These, For all intents and purposes, this is the first vein that's ever come out on the market that you can literally – take your rig that you shoot right now with feathers, snap in an arrow with one of these trad veins and go and shoot. And you're not going to have to worry about massive vein hop off of your shelf. You can shoot them off the shelf and they will group pretty damn close at 20 yards with your feathers. And you're not get Most guys cannot tell the difference. Most They're guys can't tell, tell the difference,
0: difference at 30 or 40. I mean, because they exactly. just can't shoot. So the reason why I get like, well, as is, is you know, I'm, I stand back and laugh because it's it's to me, you know, it's just kind of like people watching. Because I'm like, all right, well, whatever, that's funny. What, you know? Because for me, I'm thinking Dimmer doesn't even hunt with a stick bow, right? He hunts with a compound for the most part. Recently, I think he may have started hunting with a stick yeah, bow. He's,
1: but he's killed he's killed some good stuff with with uh, like some hickory self bows and stuff. Yeah, he's he's he he dabbles in it all for bow hunting. Yep.
0: So the point, you know, is is um. These were not intended for happy weather conditions, right? Like I'm, you know, when I post that, I'm like, hey, when's the last time you guys did a 12-day backpack hunt? Because uh, I thinking no one will be raising their hand. Like I'm not telling everyone to switch to these, because sure. they're a cure-all. I'm saying this is a void that were uh, this was a niche that was missing for bad weather, and I think it fixes that problem. And I'm not gonna, you know. I, I will say that the vein and the gateway feather weighs basically the same thing. Um, I've weighed multiple. The um, a gateway feather weighs between five and six grains. The five uh, five inch a a trad vein weighs six grains. Um, you know when you spray a gateway feather, which I do, they they technically can come out actually more weight um, when you spray on. I don't know if you guys found that, but honestly, they weigh about the same with within reason, okay? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't care who tells me. You're not going to see three grains on the back end make a difference. <laughs> you're not. And and I will – shooting machine, I've tested way too much. Three grains will not make a difference. Specifically, if I can't see three grains of difference out of a compound and 100 with a shooting machine, I don't think you're going to see it with a stick bow.
1: Well, we accidentally, in Trad Lab 2, Cody accidentally mixed up an arrow, and he put uh, – 150-grain broadhead on a test setup that was supposed to be 125-grain up front. Yeah. And he shot it, and he never even skipped a beat. He didn't notice any, any measurable difference in 25 grains on the front of the arrow at 40 yards.
0: From what you were saying, I agree. Anytime you change anything, of course there's going to be variables. My point is, one, John Demmer is arguably one of the best shooters in the history of barebow shooting.
1: Absolutely.
0: So you don't count, okay? Neither does like (laughs) Gillingham with a 33-inch draw or me shooting 90 pounds. That is kind of out of the equation. Not that their advice doesn't count, meaning their shooting ability. Most guys aren't not going to shoot past 20 to 25 yards. Can you put a trad-veined arrow on your bow off the shelf and hit the same spot from 25 and in as a feather? Yes. Yes. Yes, it's as simple <laughs> as that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm thinking, Jesus, guys, don't sh- don't shit on my dreams here. This is important for people to know because people do hunt in rainy conditions. Now, am I ever going to get into an uh, an argument with with Westbrook or Dimmer about you know field shooting or bear? No. Okay. I'm never right. I'm I'm not going to argue with that. I will argue the point if they want to go on a 14 day backpack hunt with me and they are too hard-headed to run a vein, and and it rains every day, I will probably talk enough shit my tongue will fall out because it would have been smarter in the long run when you take all, all variables into the equation to run a vein because you can say two or three inches at 35 is too big of a difference. Well, repeat that shit back to me after six straight days of rain and feathers on your arrow. What do you think's gonna be worse? Two to three right. inches of measurable known in your brain difference or an unknown of a wet-ass flat feather. I'm going to choose the vein every time. And that's where I think no things are getting taken out of context. Yeah. Of, yep. and, and, and that's why one of the reasons I wanted to get you on here, not just about this vein because, I mean, it's pretty much proven and it will be proven even more. The vein's going to help a lot of people. Oh, but yeah. getting advice from certain people on certain things, um, whether it be shooting like I never, ever, ever hope anyone ever hunts string walking. I think it's a horrible idea. But <laughs> we'll you, talk
1: about that in a minute. <laughs> but but but
0: again, you, you if you are extremely effective at what you do, meaning Matt Zernzak, and I'm effective at what I do, Aaron Snyder, and someone takes advice, I'm never gonna say don't listen to Matt because he's full of shit because you are effective and lethal at what you do. What I am going to say is Matt hunts more out of a tree stand. If that's what you're doing, stop listening to me because while I do hunt out of a tree stand, mountain hunting's my jam. Listen to Matt. He's got her dialed. Where you might say Aaron's a mountain guy more than I am. His system might be better off. Take a look at what he does.
1: (laughs) I drove through Rocky Mountain State Park once.
0: Exactly, and, and you know, I carried <laughs> rattling antlers to the tree stand. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, and and so making fun of myself as much as anything. Like you have to really collect all the data, is, and which is what you guys are great for. And this is a hundred percent a total pimped out sales pitch for what the push. Um, what you guys offer on your online courses with um, obviously Joel Turner and, uh, well, you know, you've got Dimmer on there and then you've also Definitely. got Tom Klum. I, sure. I don't want to dive into that and ever downplay everything you guys are doing because I push so many people to you. But what I am saying is if you're on a mule deer hunt and you get up to the deer and the deer's starting to twitch his horns back and forth and you're trying to look down at your fingers to string walk. I have already (laughs) killed it. It's deader than fried chicken. Having said that, known distances out of a tree stand I might be more apt to potentially shit my pants and grip it and rip it and fire over its back which is common out of a tree stand in my opinion especially with head positioning um, where you may be more accurate string walking so go I mean throw your two cents in on that
1: yeah yeah so I, I, let, let's just go back uh, just a couple couple um, statements here so you know, the push, we, we dabble in both. You know, we were t- talking about Jason and, and Demmer and, and some of the other big names in the, in the barebow community. You know, the push dabbles in both. I'm a very passionate uh, barebow competitive archer. I compete at Lancaster Archery every year at the Lancaster Classic. I try to get to a couple major IBO tournaments um, per year. I play in that realm. These guys are my very, very good friends, uh, super helpful. They're willing to help anybody give you the shirt off their back. So if you ever have an interest in in competing in bare bow or or you have a recurve, it doesn't matter. There's going to be a class that you fall into, whether it's a longbow with wood arrows or a traditional bow hunting class. recurve or you want to deck out a full full on spaceship bow like I shoot for a bare bow rig 25 inch metal riser ILF shooting off the shelf with a plunge or off an elevated rest of the plunger that is the shoot. devil <laughs> right so back to that you know you mentioned about so the, the barebow guys they hunt they, they they shoot for field and they're, they're shooting uh, for it's all about the points right and they're shooting the spin wings these things are like a fraction of a grain in, in arrow weight you know, they, these guys, even Dem- Demer hunts with veins, you know, all these guys. I just want to make sure, and when I saw all this stuff kind of unfolding and the skepticism coming out, and I, you know, obviously I know you very well now, and I know your personality, I was just, like, cringing the whole time because I'm seeing, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm playing in the, in the middle, right? I'm, I'm in both worlds, very dedicated to the bear bow archery community. I'm very dedicated to the traditional bow hunters, and that's where, where we've made our brand and our niche, is being that bridge between these two worlds. Um, you know, I, I just I'm, I'm happy that everything's being cleared out. Clear, clear, the air is being cleared right now, on this subject. I, I think just everyone we just all need to get along. I think these are all going to start getting out into people's hands, and I don't think the application. I mean, I'm personally going to try these trap veins on my IBO rig. Uh, I'm going to be shooting these off an elevated rest with a plunger, three inches, very small, and I'm going to actually make them my 3D arrow. Now we talked about hitting the same. I have a trad vein with a straight clamp offset at, like, two-degree offset. And then I have a trad vein with a Bitsenberger helical right-wing clamp. And then I have a three-inch vane vein trad vein with a uh, – using the, the Arizona Easy Fletch, the, the mini-max. Which is that an insane... arguably... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like the most helical that you can put on – it's the most helical jig you can put on a market, but it, but it only does three-inch veins. So I use – those comparisons side by side, all using three-inch veins. I had the the right wing helical clamp from the Bitsenberger and the straight clamp on the Bitsenberger. No impact difference. I couldn't tell a difference at thirty yards. I had an eight-inch low impact on using the Arizona Easy Fletch
0: yeah. using Physics. that
1: exact same rig.
0: Wind drag, yeah.
1: Right, it's just a giant parachute at the back, but it's spinning the shit out of that arrow. However, if I were to take that arrow with all that helical and hand it to somebody and say, Hey, here's the new trad van, you wanna try this out? And they said, Heck yeah, I'll try that out and they start shooting it compared to a similar arrow weight. What's their what's their reality after I hand that arrow to them? Their reality is that that they, these trad vanes hit eight inches low. Well, it's not I'm 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 showing that the different offsets and helicals have a huge impact at as close a distance as thirty yards. Eight inches, that is monster difference.
0: Oh yeah. And and I'm glad you bring things like that up because it's kinda like a guy trying on a boot that's three sizes too small and saying, Hey, it doesn't fit, this boot sucks. You you've gotta really compare apples to, to apples on, on everything and and uh and and you know, just to get out in the I have no drama whatsoever with anyone on any of this. I, as you know me, I can be extremely confrontational, but generally I am never serious. I mean, I never, so for me reading all of this, a lot of times I stand back and look and I'm thinking, you know, if we were probably all standing around, we would probably all agree. But since, you know, for, for, for me, where I get irritated is when somebody makes a statement, that is so far-fetched or un- or coming off untrue that it may discourage someone else that, you know, may be looking at using that, could tru- and it could truly help them. That's where I'll get frustrated because it's like, look, I've hunted in the rain a lot, and feathers suck. I don't give a shit what you tell me, the powder, the spray, it is a problem. The other problem, too... And you can, you know, south is a good example of this. You get sub 20 yards, you start to get into the feet range. A feather hitting your leg will blow out deer like a fat rat. You might as well yell at them. You know, when a feather, where a vein does not make any noise. Okay, that's other things that I've tried to tell people like, hey, you know, if you want it to look like a feather, draw some shit on it with a Sharpie, but truly you will be a more effective hunter in some conditions with this. And I think that, um, in the long run like kind of like you were talking about it is informational for people at the very least this is done is make people think meaning whatever and anyone ends up choosing what you guys are doing and uh, um, hopefully some of what i'm doing it is making people a better archer learning the sport and 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 finding out what works best for them i think all oh, that's a, a big positive
1: absolutely yeah i completely agree and we have a whole uh design of experiments uh that's coming up on a future trad lab episode on on uh, noise noise comparisons across vented broadheads all different types of different broadhead schemes and feather configurations and obviously the trad vanes are going to become a pretty big staple um on the trad lab episodes because you know we we believe in them so much we've we've tested them and they function they're going to be on my hunting arrows
0: yeah they i mean they're, they're working and and i i think that you know like we we're talking about I'll be interested. Like, truly, I want to send some straight to those guys. Um,
1: absolutely dimmer I, I think
0: and westbrook just to see so they can talk about them and say hey here's here's the pros here's the cons because yep The thing i'm not getting any fucking money from AAE from this so i really don't care i just right. wanted something Neither for my goat hunt right i just wanted <laughs> right. so
1: and so and i'm glad you did because this has been missing in the market for freaking years and i've tried them all i believe me i've tried high profile veins low profile veins everything that's on the market things that were supposed to be, be able to shoot off the shelf yeah they don't work and I get it. I get. I mean, that's why everyone's skeptical because this it's never been done before, and so I think there's a ton of value, and I'm happy this conversation's going this direction because I, I'm I think there's a ton of value in Jason Westbrock and Randy Cooling and uh, Denny Sturgis and and John Demmer and like all those greats, Dwayne Martin, all the great shooters for the U.S. barebow, you know, scene if, if we all like collaborate and that's kind of what the push is all about is like pulling the ideas from the greatest, most accurate target archers and grading the pulling the ideas from the greatest uh, traditional bow hunters. Like we can all learn from each other and we can all like play along nicely and, and use each other's experiences and reality to like make equipment available, make gear available that truly takes traditional bow hunting to the next level. And that's, that's the goal.
0: I agree a hundred percent. And, uh, and I mean, I talked to Randy Cooling at least once a day, D- giving a prime example, Randy shoots his shot veins forever. He shoots vein tech, they're low profile. He's like, Hey, should <laughs> I, su- I switched to these you know, trad veins? And I'm like, no, probably not. <laughs> and I'm like, "Dude, right. you,
1: I mean, you, you get no benefit at this point. Right? I'm like,
0: you're shooting a springy, right? Like what you've got is perfect. The man don't, I wouldn't, you know, I'm like, now, if you were shooting feathers and, you know, whatever, a lot of, variable, I'm like, but rainy, I wouldn't switch. Um, you know, it doesn't, doesn't make any sense. And I've had other guys that have um, arrows that are already fletched up that hunt in very, you know, prime climates where they're, they're very, very, um, they're not very susceptible to rain. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, man, I, I wouldn't switch unless you're planning on doing, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, these hunts, not, not to worry now. I, I will say that they are cheaper. I'll say they're easier to fletch in some ways, and they are, in my opinion, more durable. They're gonna last longer for newer guys. and 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 I and I think a, a new guy starting out isn't a horrible idea for these because they are a little bit easier to deal with in some ways. Again, it's not like we're not building rocket appliances, to quote Trailer Park Boys. The It's just a soft vein with a thin base that can be shot off the shelf. It's that simple. It's not that big of a deal. I think when you, like you, you just said, we start talking about things like that. It goes into tuning, the differences, elevated rests, where people start learning. At least that's coming out of this whole debacle over the last few days, right? So, you yep. know, now we're doing a podcast, and I actually have to, to go in like nine minutes. But okay. w- we're going to talk about now aiming techniques, okay? All right, perfect. So I, I have, have definitely made fun of guys about string walking because of tuning issues potentially with broadheads and things like that. But sub, you know, 10, 15, or sub 20, 15, 10 yards arguable it would work um but it's not like my aiming method is like foolproof right even though i I mean i do lay down a lot of animals there's a lot of things people don't see that i have screwed up on because gripping and ripping it or or even a point on there's there's pros and cons because i'm instinctual out to a certain distance and then i'm point use my point now you i mean you guys obviously covered everything go ahead and talk about all the different ones
1: Yeah. So real quick, high level, right? There's to to start this off. There is with traditional archery and all archery, there's always trade-offs. There's pros and cons and there's trade-offs to everything. First aiming method and the most basic is the instinctive aiming method. So that is you're, you're addressing the string with your string hand that you're drawing the bow with at the same place every time, whether you're shooting split finger, one, your index finger over and your other two fingers under the knock, or you're shooting three under it's just an aiming method. It's not an approach on how you're grabbing the string. And this is where you're just staring at the target. You're trying to make that your whole world as you're moving through your shot process. And that's, you're, you're letting the subconscious take over the aim and, and set that arrow on a trajectory. Whether you're instinctive, I'm going to quote Joel Turner here, whether you're instinctive, gap shooting, string walking, all you're doing is you're setting the arrow on a trajectory path as it's leaving your bow and instinctive is just allowing the subconscious to do it and the old adage it's like throwing a baseball that's that's pretty darn similar right you're just staring at the place you want to hit and you're allowing good hand-eye coordination and muscle memory to take over setting that launch angle of that arrow right so it's very simple um then there's gap shooting so at some point gap shooting works really well with three under most guys use three under um So let's hypothetically say you, Aaron, you're, you're hunting with your rig, right? You have, you're shooting 50 some pounds and you have a 650 grain arrow. If you draw that back and anchor where you're always going to anchor and you close your eye and you stick the tip of your arrow on the target where you want it to hit, you're going to shoot and you're going to impact high for the most part until you back up far enough to where that arrow arcs up in a nice, nice arc hits its apex, drops back down and it impacts right where, where, right where you had the tip of the arrow. So that's called your point-on distance. And for most traditional bow hunters with bow hunting weight and, and, and weight arrows, it's roughly about 40 yards, typically. That's what yours is, right, Aaron? Yeah. Yep. So that's, that's where mine is as well. If I go up against the knock with my hunting rig, it's about 40 yards. Most of the guys are using middle finger, corner of the mouth as their anchor, and they're using 10 grains per pound of bow. So that's why industry standard across the traditional archery community most guys have about a 40 yard point on now if you were to step up half that distance right where that arrow is at its apex right so let's say your arrow arcs up by 30 inches and then drops down by 30 inches to impact the target at 40 yards if you stand to the spot where that arrow is at 30 inches in flight above center line above your line of sight that's going to be your maximum gap so if you tried to hit that same exact target At 20 yards, you're going to have to draw back and you're going to have to put the tip of the arrow, what you think is 30 inches low, lower than the target. And that's basically gap shooting. So what you would do is how you learn gap shooting is you stand at five yards, you have a big target butt, like a big double hay bale or something like that. You stand at five yards, you draw back and you aim at the bottom of that target. Find a nice horizontal line that's really easy to see. Draw back, stick the tip of the arrow on that target and then run your shot and you're going to impact somewhere, usually about 3 to 5 inches high. And then step back to 10 yards, draw back, aim at that same horizontal line, and shoot. And that arrow is going to impact even higher, 8 inches high. And then you step back to 15, 20, 25, and you repeat that all the way back until your arrow actually impacts on that line. What you've just done is you've mapped your arrow's trajectory. And so now you can write them down and commit them to memory, and over time, that gap comes really instinctive. It's kind of they call it gap-stinctive, to where you just know what that sight picture, you're still paying attention to the tip of the arrow, you're not fully instinctive where you're trying to, to to remove that from your conscious mind. You're aware of the tip of the arrow, and you kind of draw back, and you go, oh, okay, that looks really good. You know, that arrow tip is perfectly below the a- animal's chest, about eight, y- eight, eight inches. All right, that looks good, and then you fire your shot. So that's gap shooting. It's a regimented method of mapping your arrow's trajectory and understanding where you need to aim and put the tip of your arrow. So picture gap shooting in the compound realm as shooting a fixed single pin sight, right? That arrow tip is a is a sight pin. And I get a lot of flack. Everyone's like, oh, you're aiming off the tip of your arrow, you're string walking, why don't you just put a damn sight on your bow? And I, my response is, why would I put a sight on my bow when I usually have six perfectly good sights in my quiver at all times, right? Right? Like I usually say, a, what
0: do you have against hitting what you're aiming at is my normal <laughs> <right>. response.
1: <laughs> so the tip of the arrow is a very powerful thing. It's right in front of your nose. It's, it's a sight pin. You might as well use it. That's my thought, right? But nothing against. There's very good instinctive archers out there. Um, so that's gap shooting. Gap shooting is basically the fixed single-pin sight on a compound. String walking, right? String walking is, is a regimented approach to changing your arrow's trajectory by addressing the string in different locations so basically string walking is a single pin slider okay and the sight tape that's out on your single pin slider in front of your bow is not on the front of your bow anymore it's back on your finger tab so that finger tab will have marks most guys use like actual dedicated string walking like the yoast tab it's a great tab it's the only tab i'll use um, the Yoast tab, uh, Black Widow has a great tab that the stitches are really consistent from tab to tab. So if you do have a backup tag, the stitching, you can use the stitching. But what basically you do, you draw, you, you look at the target, and you might think you're at 20 yards. You put your tab up against the arrow, and somewhere down that string, let's say an inch down that string, is where you could draw back and stick the tip of your arrow on that target. The benefit, the pro of string walking is that your sight picture is the same, no matter if you're shooting at 5 yards or 40 yards, because you're changing the arrow's pitch and trajectory on the backside of the arrow by addressing the string closer or further away from the arrow. So if you are really far away from the arrow, the closer the shot, the closer you are to the target, the further down the string you have to grab the string. So you'd slide your tab up against, this is really hard to explain over uh, over just voice, but if you slide your tab up against the bottom of the arrow, you're going to have little marks on your tab to where you'd put your thumb on the string against that mark and slide the top of the tab down to where your thumb is. And so for me personally, a 10-yard crawl, so it's coming down the string is called a crawl with string walking. So at 10 yards, I'm usually about an inch and a quarter down the string. So if I'm at 10 yards, I would just look down at my tab, find my 10-yard mark, slide my tab down to that 10-yard mark draw back, I'm going to anchor at the same place every time, and I'm going to stick the tip of my arrow right on that target, and I'm going to shoot. And what you're doing is, you're now, the farther down the string you are, imagine where that arrow knock is, it's right under your eye, and the further up against the knock you are, the arrow, the knock of the arrow is further down from your eye, so you're actually changing the launch angle of that arrow as it's coming out of your bow. Um, So that's basically string walking, and that poses a pile of issues, and let me just go through them and just echo what, what Aaron says. So sitting, you're, imagine this. You're sitting in a tree stand or you're, you're on the side of a mountain and your target animal, you're in your ambush and the target animal's coming in. And it stops and it's broadside and you think it's 30 yards. So you stop, you're looking at that animal, it's broadside, you look down at your tab, you find your 30 yard crawl, you make that crawl, you put tension on the string, you look back up, you're ready to go, and now that animal's moving again. Ah, shit. You have to take your tab off the string. That arrow, that that animal is now 20 yards. Broadside gives you another shot opportunity. Look down at your tab, crawl to 20. You get it, right? It's very iterative. It's slow. It's not ideal, and low light is also terrible. So if you're sitting in a tree stand, last five minutes of shooting light, it's starting to fade. All the coloration's starting to drain out of the woods, right? And everything's starting to turn some shade of gray or black, and the big buck of your lifetime walks out under your stand at 10 yards. I can't personally, it's really hard for me to see my tab and actually make an accurate crawl to figure out where my 10-yard mark is in light, last light. So it's not ideal. But what what is also not ideal for me, for whitetail, being a whitetail hunter, is that vital is not very tall. That vital is only about 8 inches tall. And the issue that I have is with gap shooting, again, like I said, with everyone's standard trajectory of their arrows it's usually 40 yards of their point on so that means a 40 yard point on right in that sweet spot of whitetail hunting is 20 yards so that is going to be your maximum gap that's where your arrow is at its highest trajectory on the way to the target you're so down that by that hoof to, yeah that's where you're gonna have to aim the lowest yeah i can so tell it's you from ideal f- first-hand right? you, experience i deal with that all the time aaron right
0: i've shot over the back of of whitetails just because it's not because i wasn't on the hoof it's because at times, I know, I know it's hard to believe, I fuck up. You look what? quickly, right? You want to you want to see if you hit it and as you're picking your head up, you're so fast at doing it, immediately subconsciously, you're going to hit high, right? I mean, it's just how it is and so you really, you know, they say pick a spot how easy is that to pick a hoof right let me go and just aim at the hoof so i i've got a a go here pretty quickly but we'll have to do a part two on this because we're leaving way too much that's not on the table yet to talk about but
1: yeah there's there's the fixed crawl can i can i can you get afford three more minutes
0: Oh yeah, 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 go ahead. Okay.
1: Okay, so the last aiming method, and then I'm done with aiming methods and we can we can wrap this up. But the last aiming method that I use for the whitetail hunter, right, is kind of blending string walking and gap shooting into what's called a fixed crawl. So like I said, at 20 yards is that sweet spot for deer hunting or 25 yards or 30 yards, wherever your effective range is. But again, with gap shooting, that's your maximum gap, and then I don't want to crawl down the string with string walking for every single shot in the deer woods, right? So there's a nice compromise to where what I do is I put a brass fixed brass knock on my 25-yard crawl. So I find where I come down the string, maybe let's say it's three-quarters of an inch, and that's where I can draw back and stick the tip of my arrow right where I want it to go, right on the deer's vitals at 25 yards. I've now just permanently adjusted my point on distance to 25 yards. So if I know I'm going and I'm hunting next to a field edge or my, my hunting setups or that's the target animals, I'm going to set up a 25-yard fixed crawl, and I'm going to put a brass knock right there. Now I've taken all the crap that I hate about string walking out of it. All i got to do, that animal comes up, I don't have to look down at my bow anymore. I address the string, and I slide my tab right up until it bumps up against that brass knock. It's no different than shooting three under. It's just as fast, right? Just like sliding your tab up against the bottom of the knock. Now you're just sliding it up against that little brass knocking point that you put on three quarters of an inch down below the arrow. But here's the beauty of it, is at 25 yards, that's my point on. And since, since now I've made myself a really short point on distance, now my trajectory, my peak in flight, which is now going to be about 12 and a half yards halfway to the target, now it's not 30 inches high. It, now it's like eight inches high. I've just drastically taken that pitch of that arrow's trajectory and pushed it down towards the ground. So now I know at 5, 10, 15, and 20, all I have to do is draw back and stick the tip of my arrow at the bottom of the whitetail's chest. That's all I have to do. I don't even think about it. Deer walks out. Is it short? And short is 20 or under for me. Yep, it's short. Okay, draw back. Just slide my tab up against that brass knock. Draw back. Stick the tip of my arrow right at the bottom of the chest and execute my shot. If it's 25, I'm putting the tip of my arrow on the animal, and if it's 30, I'm putting the tip of my arrow at the top of its back. And and so at every shot distance from 0 to 30, my arrow tip is somewhere on that deer's chest. And that's the beauty of the fixed crawl aiming method for whitetail hunting.
0: We're actually leaving out face walking, too. But.
1: And face, the Randy Cooling face walking. It's the same as string walking, um, but instead of sliding, addressing the string in different places with your fingers, you're anchoring in different places. So if you're a mi- middle finger corner of your mouth guy and you have a 40-yard point on, if you drop down to index finger in the corner of your mouth, you're now going to have roughly about a 50-yard point on a finger width of change on your anchor points is roughly about 10 yards in that 30, 40, 50, 60 yard range. Once you start getting past that you're it's, it's, you're starting to have to go like Olympic (laughs) Olympic archer anchor under the chin.
0: Yeah. And I, I think the one, the one thing I want to mention here is, is I, I, I think once people get comfortable with shooting that you're going to kind of write your own book or your own chapter in your book, because you're probably going to find out whether you want to emulate, you know matt randy myself tim south whoever dimmer you know you may start out wanting to emulate or, or do what they're doing and that doesn't mean it's going to work for you i'd say try it even though i Absolutely. never I, I didn't try everything i but you, you want to goof around with it because it's it's like a it's like footwear it er, the, one shoe isn't going to fit everybody you're going to have to goof around with it same with veins and you know extreme oh, same, same with form everything. and everything i
1: mean look at look at you. You're, you're a student of Tom Clum. I'm a student of Tom Clum. And when you put you and me side by side, none of us, neither of us look like Tom Clum when we're shooting. Neither of us look like Brady Ellison when we're shooting. And you and I don't look like him.
0: Yeah, no, you're we right. Are,
1: we're, we're both taking the bits and pieces that work for us biomechanically and work for us mentally, and we're applying them to our game to make us, as an individual specific archer, the best that we can. And there's no magic bullet out there everyone listening to this podcast there's no magic bullet you've got to take little bits and pieces of all the greats whether it's like you said john demmer aaron snyder uh joel turner tom Klums, take take all the little bits and pieces and apply them to your own game and your biomechanics and you're going to be a whole lot more happy and a whole lot more accurate
0: no, definitely. Well, I, uh, I, you know, other than that, I'd say let's all work at trying and getting along because uh, traditional archery has been hard enough get a uh, road to 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 get it built up, and it's starting to go full swing and get really going. So infighting is stupid, and uh, we shouldn't be doing that. So let's definitely try to all work together on this. And uh, man, uh, other than that, I really appreciate you coming on, man.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Can I plug plug uh, the website real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, our website is www.thepusharchery.com we have uh, the alpha packs the really cool quiver that you see Aaron wearing all the time Um, we make those those are all made in the USA 100% Um, then we also have On that website is a portal to our online school, the Push Archery Center of Knowledge. It is an online school for biomechanics, Tom Clum Sr.'s course, mental control, Joel Turner's course, and competitive barebow, which is John Demmer's online course. And we have many more to come. Uh, We're working with a lot of great other instructors, filming, editing. We have a lot more uh, pretty awesome uh, online courses coming. And uh, the Push Archery everywhere else on Instagram and Facebook
0: cool man thanks by the way they never invited me everyone no, i'm just fucking around definitely tune in to what those guys are doing because it's super helpful and it saves me answering your questions and taking guesses because they cover pretty much everything on there so
1: man i, awesome, I appreciate man. it thanks man thanks for everything you do man you're you're making a huge impact you're being super disruptive in the community which is a good thing love it thank you
0: possibly good all right cool man i'll talk to you later <laughs> all right see ya.